The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So just um, for those of you uh, in the back, if you want to move chairs to the side so you can see more easily, that's fine. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I was away teaching your retreat for a couple of weeks. Um. So today I'd like to continue exploring concentration um, for the last several months while I've been here. Um, I've been talking about wise concentration as a factor of the Eightfold Path and things that, um, first of all, how it fits into the Eightfold Path in general and then things that um, get in our way of concentration. So I've been exploring the, the things that kind of make it hard for us to be concentrated. And today I'd like to explore um, the more, um, uh, the other side of what supports us to be concentrated. <laughs> um, and to just begin that discussion, um, just to start by describing what concentration is. And there's different forms of concentration. So um, what I'm going to talk about today applies to all the forms of concentration. So roughly two forms of concentration. The first being the what we might call the more familiar form, which results from when we bring our attention and settle and stabilize our attention on one experience, like the breathing. We turn our attention to the breathing and we let go of other experience. And the mind slowly begins to settle down as we do that. Um, It stabilizes the attention on um, one object and... um, because of that, the mind begins to let go of other distractions. It, um, it comes to rest. So the, the experience of that kind of concentration can feel very restful. Actually, um, it has a very nourishing quality also. The mind really likes, the mind and body both really like to be paid attention to in that way. And the mind gets really happy about that. So it feels pretty good, this kind of concentration. Um, That kind of concentration tends to be moving towards stillness of mind. A word um, I like to use instead of concentration is unification of mind. The mind becomes kind of unified with the experience. Often we suggest the breathing as as a place to settle the mind. Now, um, the concentration results from, in that exploration of staying with the breath, the concentration results from the mindfulness and the um, kind of gentle connecting with, a little bit of gentle effort to stay with the breath. So those two aspects of the Eightfold Path, wise effort and wise concentration, are the uh, factors that support concentration. When we gently, continuously, patiently, with a friendly attitude, bring the attention back to the breath over and over again, concentration begins to naturally develop. Concentration isn't something we do, actually. It's, it's a result of how we attend to experience. When our mindfulness becomes steady, when we can bring our attention with a kind of a steady way back to the uh, object of experience, of the breathing, concentration is the result. So it's, um, the concentration comes from the way we bring our attention And it's the steadiness, the continuity of the bringing the mindfulness that creates that concentration. So that's one um, 
form of concentration, and I think it's the one that we're most familiar with or the one that we tend to call concentration. You know, this kind of concentration comes when we're um, focused on any one thing. You know, we're focused on reading a book or we're focused on uh, playing a game or um, doing some task. If our attention kind of comes into that experience, we can get concentrated. This kind of um, concentration supports us um, to stay with the activity and to know, you know, to be able to uh, be skillful in doing an activity. So the skill of our um, a meditation relies on wise effort, wise mindfulness, and the, the, the wisdom there in, that we bring to create this wise concentration is the wisdom of what's helpful for us in terms of letting go of the reactivity of mind. So ultimately our concentration, our, our mindfulness, our effort, our concentration are directed towards settling and stabilizing reactivity of the mind. Um, recognizing you know, those, all those difficulties that I talked about, uh, um, sense, desire, ill will, sleepiness, dullness, restlessness, doubt, all of those energies pull us away from settling the mind. So a wise effort is around letting go of the, the energies that pull us away from um, non-reactivity and we begin to cultivate, cultivate non-reactivity, cultivate balance of mind, equanimity. So the um, factors of wise effort, wise mindfulness come together to create this wise concentration. Those two factors of wise effort and wise mindfulness can come together in a different way than what I just described, and also create wise concentration. So what I just described was using effort and mindfulness to come to one experience, to bring our attention to the breath, for example. Another way of bringing mindfulness and effort together is rather than to direct our attention to one experience, to rather try to stabilize the, the, uh, the awareness in the present moment. Not necessarily choosing any particular object, but seeing if we can kind of enter into a flow of changing experience. You know, as we sit here, there's thousands of things happening in our minds and bodies. Just the, 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 you know, the obvious. Well, actually, we could say there's only six things happening in our mind and bodies. There's sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and things going on in our mind, um, which uh, proliferates to many, <laughs> many, many things. But the, uh, you know, that flow of just kind of connecting with the experience uh, at the ear, at the eye, at the nose, at the tongue, at the, at the body, and uh, what's happening in our minds. We don't have to pick one experience. The... Uh, the effort can simply be what's happening right now and what's happening right now and what's happening right now. And in a moment, what's kind of obvious to the mind in a moment might be different each moment. The stability of the mindfulness, the stability of the awareness there comes from the fact that we're you know, meeting every single moment, recognize, oh, there's a sound. There's a body sensation. There's a thought. There's another body sensation. Sound. Pressure. Tension. Movement. Dryness. Quivering. Happiness. The mind is meeting moment after moment what's happening. There's not much room for reactivity. The mind is just noticing every moment, oh, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. And so the attention stabilizes in a different way. 
in both kinds of concentration, there is a stabilizing of the mind, a lessening of reactivity, but in very different forms. In the form of the one-pointed concentration where we're paying attention to just the breath, what tends to happen is the hmm, experience gets more and more quiet, more and more still. In the experience of being in the flow of what's happening, the experience can be quite lively and dynamic. And yet the attention is very stable. So we're not losing track of the present moment by, you know, the car goes by. You know, our, our, our tendency when a, uh, an, a sense of experience arises, if we're not aware, mindful, is that we start thinking about that sense experience. A car goes by, or we hear a sound, we hear a leaf blower, and then our mind creates an image of a leaf blower, and then we start thinking about leaf blowers and maybe having reactivity to that particular leaf blower, or perhaps having an image of our own garden and thinking, oh, I need to do that in my yard, and we're off, we're gone. So the, um, the stability of the mind in this more, um, more, more open kind of practice is that the attention is stable. The awareness stays connected to the flow of experience in the present moment and doesn't get lost in thought, doesn't get lost in reactivity. So uh, this kind of concentration is also cultivated by wise effort and wise mindfulness. The mindfulness knows moment after moment what's happening. The effort is to connect with what's obvious in this moment. What's here? What's here? What's here? So those are kind of the end points, perhaps. The, the range, if we, there's a range of um, practices around concentration and mindfulness. Those are kind of the end points. And there's a lot of practices that are in the middle of that range. Um, one of the practices we often teach here is mindfulness of breathing where it's kind of um, we are encouraging you to stabilize the attention on the breath but still at the same time not hold too tightly to it so you're noticing the breathing and then if something else happens if another experience becomes obvious you know kind of taking that in so there's this anchor we cultivate and yet we also have the container be uh, open enough to receive other experiences. That's kind of a hybrid in the middle, a hybrid approach. We stabilize the attention and yet still stay open to other experience. So most practices of mindfulness fall somewhere on this continuum. They all, all of these practices bring effort and mindfulness together concentration being the result, with different forms of concentration, perhaps, resulting from the different kinds of practices. So the next thing I want to say is that um, all minds are different. And every, every mind has its own kind of natural inclinations, its own natural uh, ways of meeting experience. And there are different, uh, different uh, strengths that each mind has. Some minds are more kind of naturally oriented towards settling on some one object. Other minds are more naturally oriented towards a, more an open receptivity. And so I... Um, I mentioned that in the guided meditation a little bit, you know, the, that um, we started by just relaxing and then to see what's, what's obvious in that relaxation. From there, I, su- I suggested, you know, some of you may find that very comfortable, very easeful to just be in that place of receiving, receiving. Other p- people might have found it to be a little bit vague or, you know, not really sure what was going on. So that's a kind of a, a, a one of the ways that, that those differences might manifest. 
For some people, it may have been very easy to stay in the flow of experience. For others, it's like, yeah, when I finally said, okay, let's check in with the breath, it'd be like, phew, thank goodness, you know, (laughs) there's something I can touch on. So different minds have different um, kind of ways in to concentration. So uh, what's easy for some may be hard for others and vice versa. Now often in our... um, Um, way we engage in learning something new, we sometimes think or feel, okay, well, this part's what's hard for me, so I better work on that part. You know, it's harder for me to stay with the breath, so that's where I should do my work. Or it's harder for me to be open and receiving, so I should try to do that. And rather, rather than um, working with what's the most challenging for you in meditation, I often like to suggest it's, it's actually much more helpful to start where it's easiest. Start where it feels most natural, where your mind is most inclined to um, relax, where your mind is most inclined to be able to naturally meet experience. That's the place to begin in meditation. And then I'll... I'll, I'll Hopefully have time to carry on about that a little bit later. So, um, again, about these two kinds of concentration practice, the the one-pointed settling of attention um, can tend to allow the mind to become quite still, and yet um, it can hook into our patterns of over-efforting, of striving, of thinking there's something to, you know, a goal to reach, um, judging ourselves if we're not staying with the breath for as long as we think we should be staying with the breath. So that form of concentration does have some um, shadow sides, we could say. It has some shadow sides to it. It's got some strengths as well. It can allow the mind to settle quite quickly. And um, it's also much easier in a way to know, because you're, you're, you're turning your attention to one experience, it's, it's pretty easy to recognize when you're not with that experience. It becomes pretty clear. Oh, not with the breath. Okay, bring the attention back or allow the breath to come back into awareness. So it's, uh, it's got some, some shadow sides and some, some great strengths. The other um, form of concentration, the open awareness practice, um, again, it's uh, meeting all experience. It tends to support more of a relaxed approach of just receiving rather than trying to point our minds at an object. It's more of a receptive, okay, settle back and just notice what's happening. Um, So it can be more relaxed. So it can help to settle some of the striving or efforting tendencies that we have. It also um, really begins to show us how our minds do what they do with, um, you know, with this settling back and receiving what's happening, we get a good education in what our minds do, you know, where they're drawn, how, uh, how, what kinds of things we like, what kinds of things we don't what like. So we, we really get to see our minds, get to see what, how our minds get themselves into struggles and difficulties. We get to see where they tend towards... Um, uh, how they can tend towards... Friendliness, openness, balance of mind. We really get an understanding of how our minds behave through this kind of open awareness practice. The shadow side of the open awareness practice is that it can tend towards spaciness. It can, it can be not so clear when we lose track of the present moment because there's no one thing that we're attending to. We can kind of like drift off into fantasy or thought and it's kind of like get lost in that space for quite a while before we actually recognize, oh, wow, yeah, not present. So that form of 
concentration, that form of practice, it helps us to begin to get a very clear sense of what it feels like to be aware. That becomes our touchstone. Rather than the object being the touchstone of the breath, being with the breath, the touchstone is, how does it feel to be mindful? And that's a subtler kind of experience. Uh, Maybe not so obvious. So that touchstone is one that we slowly cultivate. Either form of concentration um, however we are approaching whatever's most natural for us however we're approaching it really the key of the key support for um, concentration is finding a way and this finding this way is going to be different depending on different minds finding a way to bring your effort and mindfulness together in a relaxed non-striving non-tight way so a relaxed, open um, easeful way having the mind be relaxed and at ease and not like pushing or forcing or um, holding on to the experience so In my own exploration of cultivating concentration, I found that how the mind is, how we are attending to the experience, is way more important than that uh, gripping on or holding on to experience. So this has been my, uh, one of my big learnings around cultivating concentration. That even when I'm doing this more... um, focused style of concentration to take have the priority be that the mind be relaxed and gentle with the experience as opposed to having the priority be being with the experience so I sometimes think about uh, setting up the container in which concentration can unfold. So again, concentration isn't something we do, but it's something that results. And so how we bring mindfulness and, and effort together is like the creation of that container. Relaxation is a huge part of that container. That was not what I thought when I first started meditating and trying to stay with the breath. To me, it seemed like staying with the breath was the most important thing. But I've since discovered (laughs) through a lot of struggle and suffering, relaxation is more important. So finding a way to support relaxation in your meditation Some people may find that just settling with the breath is the most relaxing thing. Other people may find that relaxing the body is one of the most relaxing ways to start a meditation. Others may find opening to hearing might be a kind of a relaxing way to start the meditation. Whatever way feels most natural for you to be both present and relaxed, that's a great doorway for you to to enter into the meditation. Really helpful to take the time to set up that container of relaxed attention. Really, really helpful. No need to rush into any goal of needing to have any particular experience or object of meditation when the container of relaxed attention is stable, concentration will unfold. We don't have to do that. So some different ways this might um, happen. You know, actually the 
the you know, meditation is kind of an art in this way of how we find our way towards that relaxed attention. This, I really think, is the art of meditation because it is different for every one of you. It will be different how you find your way to that relaxed attention. So, for instance, hearing might be a place for you that feels pretty relaxed. Just like, okay, open to hearing. And then from that place, you may be able to uh, get a kind of a continuity of attention. You may be able to then say, okay, from that place, let's see if I can meet a breath and stay with that kind of relaxed openness. I've sometimes had the exploration or it's like, oh, you know, hearing can be a very easy place to just settle back and receive experience because you know you're not creating the sounds, you know, it's just they're they're just happening and so we can just settle back and allow the sounds to happen in our experience. And sometimes turning towards the breath from that, I've used the kind of almost analogy or image, well, can I feel the breathing or experience the breathing almost as if I were hearing it? You know, almost using that doorway of hearing to encourage that kind of receptive, relaxed attention. So finding whichever doorway for you is natural and then beginning to expand your uh, container from there. Both sides of concentration, whether the open awareness or the one-pointed, both sides are helpful for us ultimately in our uh, deepening of our understanding about our minds. The uh, open awareness, the receptive awareness, um, allows us to see what our minds are up to when we're... uh, not choosing something to pay attention to. The directed attention allows the uh, mindfulness to get very precise and very clear about what it's experiencing. So both sides are uh, supportive for us. Some people may have more proclivity to enter through one doorway or the other, but we can... um, going in our doorway that's most easeful for us or most natural for us, then find a way to connect with the other forms. So, for myself, you know, I started with um, that was staying with the breath. That was my practice. That's what I, I, I learned. That's what, you know, when I, when I got the instructions in meditation, it was stay with the breath. And so that's what I did. And... Um, It uh, led to a lot of holding, a lot of striving, a lot of tightness. And then I learned more about this open awareness practice. And that began to really relax my, my body and mind. It began to allow me to see, oh my gosh, there's a different way to pay attention. It doesn't have to be always tight and holding and tense. So the, uh, the relaxed open awareness, um, gave me an education in a different way to pay attention. And so from there, when I finally began to um, uh, see, oh, it's possible to pay attention, to have the mind be relaxed and attentive at the same time, or relaxed and clear about what the experience is, I found my way to that relaxation and then began to explore, how, how might I be able to pay attention to the breath with that relaxation. And I'd be like in that field of just things being experienced, a flow of of experience, and there'd be a breath. Not one that I pointed my mind at, but one that just happened. Oh, there's a breath. Maybe try another one of those. And often what I would see would happen when I directed the attention, because this is really the difference between these two, is whether you're settled back and just allowing a receiving of experience, or whether you're choosing an object, choosing an experience to turn the mind to. Whenever I did that turning of the mind, it's like it dragged all my habits of tightness and um, um, tension along with it. 
So it's like, okay, pay attention to a breath, and immediately I'd feel <laughs> the, the mind and body would tighten up. It's like, okay, just go back to open awareness. And I would do that kind of back and forth, back and forth. And finally the mind began to learn, oh, it is possible to pay attention to something in this relaxed way. Other people may have to learn how to apply the relaxation that they experience in being with one object to a broader awareness. That they may find they, they, they um, you know, you've got this really relaxed, easeful presence with being with just the breath. And then opening up to more experience, it's like really confusing and feels chaotic. Like, oh, okay, well, come back here. See if I can... See if I can find that relaxation and then gently step back. So kind of a back and forth. For me, that's been a way, you know, finding the stability, the ease of where my mind feels most naturally comfortable in presence and then trying to take a step or two towards some, a broader range of experience and seeing how does the mind respond there. okay gets tight, gets tense, gets lost, gets confused. Okay, come back to where it's, it's easier. And then trying a few steps again. So from the container where it feels most um, comfortable, beginning to expand outwards to include more and more of a range of experience. We're cultivating, one of the qualities that we cultivate in, in, in mindfulness and in our meditation practice is I like to word, use the word malleability of mind, flexibility of mind. If we can only do one thing, if we can only pay attention to one experience and feel easeful, there's a broader range of experience we can find our way towards. If we can only feel comfortable receiving experience, but not when we're directing our attention, there's a broader range of experience we can slowly work our way towards. But again, I find it's more like building a bridge from where it's really comfortable and easeful and just taking a few baby steps in the direction of uh, the places where you see uh, might need some cultivation or some areas that are more challenging for you. Hmm. So I'm gonna, I've, got, I've got more, of course. <laughs> But I thought I'd stop here and just see see if there's uh, any uh, comments, questions. Um, and um, if not, I'll continue. <laughs> yeah, um, and could you use the mic? Could somebody pass the mic back? I, I th- did you turn it on, Bill? Yes. Okay, yes, it's on. Is um, observing the same thing as attention when you're in relaxed awareness? Um, You know, attention, that's a very interesting question, actually. Um, Attention. hmm. Attention, I often think of as being the... So, attention is is a factor that kind of happens, comes every... You know, in every moment of experience, the mind is attending to something. And in our uh, practice of open awareness, part of the exploration is seeing, watching, essentially, what is the mind attending to? What is the mind paying attention to? So um, the the observing is settled back and... uh, more receiving what the mind is attending to. So the, the observing is more in the stance of awareness and then recognizing, oh, awareness is aware of this right now. It's aware of this right now, aware of this right now. In each moment, the, att- the uh, attention will connect to some experience. But it's not something we're doing consciously necessarily. In the... Um, more directed form of practice, attention is, you know, we're choosing, oh, let's pay attention to the breath. So it brings more consciousness to that attention. 
Um, so the attention has a more heightened uh, function in the one-pointed concentration. Um, what, I, I would, what I guess I'll say about attention in the open awareness is that we're watching the unfolding of causes and conditions that have the mind be drawn to one experience over another. Because there's so many things happening in the present moment. And if we settle back and just allow our attention to kind of natural, or or allow our awareness to naturally receive, part of what we're watching is how our mind is drawn to some things and not to others. So, you know, for me, that sound of the buzzing outside draws my attention pretty much every time it it happens. (laughs) Okay, I'm kind of consciously having to to let go of that because here I'm doing something else. So my, you know, it it pulls and then I come back. It pulls and I come back. So that that seems to be a, a, a sound that the mind is kind of orients to. At other times, um, you know, there there might be, you know, like if I were on a beach or something, there's a place I sometimes teach meditation that's right on the coast and there's the sound of the waves and they can kind of recede into the background. And then other things may become clear, like the, the, the feelings of the body. Um, you know, the, the attention is drawn to one thing or the other. What I've seen in my own experience, one of the lessons for me of the open awareness... So for this mind, again, this is, it's going to be different for every mind what the attention is drawn to. But you might be curious about this in open awareness. What I see my attention drawn to are things that the mind considers unpleasant. So that's the, where the attention orients. That's the gravitation. It doesn't very often land on things that are pleasant or happy or easeful. <laughs> This mind doesn't. Other minds may have a completely different orientation. So that's something interesting to recognize about your mind. You know, this mind's like when I first began this open awareness practice, and, um, um, you know, we sometimes call it choiceless awareness. Um, I said to my teacher, you know, I don't know how choiceless it is because everything I'm noticing is unpleasant. You know, how could it possibly be choiceless? I mean, and it's not completely choiceless because the the choices, but it's not consciously chosen. You know, I'm not consciously choosing to go to the unpleasant. It's my habits. It's my tendencies. It's my uh, how my mind has oriented in the past. It tends to go there. So um, uh, we learn a lot about our minds by seeing how is the attention working in that open awareness. Does that... Speak to your question. It was a kind of a long answer to your question, but yes, it's so, it's something that I struggle with because I constantly I'm going back and forth between observing and being aware, and there seems to be a difference. So, what's your feeling of the difference between observing and awareness? Uh, well, awareness seems to require more concentration or effort. What is the feeling of awareness versus observing? Can you describe a difference between them? Um, I mean, it, actually, if I go deep into meditation, there's a point where I just observe. Uh-huh. And that, to, does observing there mean receiving? It's, it's more like witnessing. Witnessing. Okay, that's a, and for a, being aware, does it feel more like you're choosing I'm what? I'm choosing. You're choosing. Cult- cultivation, it feels like it requires more energy. Okay. And it's like almost the first stage, at least I go through. Okay. Before, before I just get to witnessing. Uh-huh, okay. So that, I would call what you're saying, awareness there, as bringing attention using attention to, to guide the mind in. And it, that, is an, that does take effort. And then it, it, it does, over time, open up to more of that witnessing. And um, you know, some, some minds need to go through that um, directing the attention for a time because you know, directing the attention, the mind gets stable, it gets more present, and then at some point we may be able to whew, step back and just witness and just observe. I tend to use um, awareness to mean that witnessing. 
Um, so that's why I was asking you about what you meant, because you know, we all use language in different ways. Um, so, um, yeah, the attention, you know, attention, um, when you're in the witnessing mode, uh, attention is picking up on certain things, but you're not consciously doing it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that, but that is how attention works in that, in that mode. It's not that attention is not there. It's just that you're not having to do it. You're able to settle back more into the space of just receiving and being kind of connected with the awareness itself or the observing itself. So um, it sounds like you're cultivating both sides of the equation in your practice. Yeah, thank you. Other questions? And she's bringing the mic to you. Oh, hang on a second. You need a signature? Oh, come on in. Arthur. Uh, so, uh, something you said in answer to the last question um, struck me in an odd way, and I want to clarify it. Um, I think you said something like, um, your mind is always attending to something. And um, so if I'm doing a new task, a difficult task, uh, uh, something I've... Well, I'm attending to it. Um, I know I'm attending to it. I may or may not have awareness with it. Often I don't. But I know I'm attending to it. And sometimes I'll do it okay and sometimes not okay. Um, uh, There are other times, uh, and usually they happen when I'm, it's not something new or not something difficult. Um, may have once been um, where I'm, it doesn't feel like I'm attending to it. I, I'm, I'm doing it sometimes quite well, but have no idea. I'm not paying attention. I'm not there, really. And I certainly don't have any awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel to me like I'm attending to anything in those moments. Um, and I was struck by your saying the mind is always attending to something, which sounds right, but it doesn't fit the experience that I'm describing very well. So I think what you're referring to... Which is on? Is that on? Okay. <laughs> I think what you're referring to there has to do with the fact... You know, attention is a factor of mind that is amenable to conscious control as well as uh, being just a response to conditions from the past. So um, kind of like, you know, it's almost like the breath in that way. We can consciously say, breathe in, breathe out. You know, we can choose that, or we can kind of settle back and let the breath breathe itself. You know, we don't have to think about every breath in order to breathe. Uh, but the breath will continue breathing. Something like that with attention, the factor of attention. There can be a conscious directing, say, pay attention to your hand. Pay attention to your foot. The attention goes there. Um, You know, there can be a conscious choosing of what to attend to. And that, I think, is what you're referring to. You know, and it may not be, there there may not be um, mindfulness in that, conscious choosing but there there it, it is amenable to to conscious decision you know like we get in the car and it's like we decide we're going to look out the window and pay attention to the road you know um uh so we there's that there's a there's a kind of conscious choice there partly informed by habit in a way you know like we get in the car the habit of 
when we first learned to drive, we probably had to consciously think about that. But then over time, the habit of getting in the car takes our attention to that area without so much our having to you know, do it consciously. So attention is a result either of a choice in the present moment or an unfolding of causes and conditions from the past. If it's an unfolding of causes and conditions of the past, we may or may not be aware of that, what those conditions are, or why we're choosing to pay attention to something, or why the mind is choosing to pay attention to something. And often I think the, I mean, part of what I think you might be pointing to is when we've developed a skill, um, um, And I was just, you know, having the image of basketball players, you know, the, the skill of doing that. I mean, there's all kinds of things that they've trained that the mind uh, uh, knows how to pay attention to while they're running down the basketball court. You know, they're, they're paying attention to where they are in respect, with respect to the basket, where the, where the ball is, how hard they're bouncing it. They're paying attention to where the other team members are. And that's all happening so fast that they're not consciously doing it. But they trained in doing that so that the, uh, the, the kind of mind-body system can um, direct the attention in that situation without their consciously having to do it. It's much faster when conscious attention doesn't have to come into play. And so when you've trained at something a lot, it can be just feel like a natural unfolding. And it doesn't have that quality of, oh, I have to think about, you know, another example, place, you know, playing a piano, where to place the keys on the keyboard. It, it happens more naturally. It's like automatic. You see the the notes on the page and your hands go right to the keys on the keyboard. So it's, a, it's the, the training um, allows the attention to flow without the intervention of conscious choice. But there is still the, something the mind is attending to. Whether or not we um, are conscious of it or not, whether or not we've consciously chosen that object of attention or not, is another story. So I think it's just a different kind of definition in a way of the word attending, where for you it's bringing in that notion of conscious, conscious choice. So it's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking more in terms of the, um, well, partly from my own experience in that, you know, I sell, settle back and watch the mind and I see, you know, every moment the mind, the mind choosing to attend to something. You know, it's like, and it's so clear that there's conditions to those choices, not consciously entered into in my mind to say, oh yes, now pay attention to that unpleasant noise. Now, <laughs> you know, it's like the mind just goes there. But uh, the, um, in that settled back more witnessing space, to use uh, that language in that witnessing space, we see the the conditions unfolding around where attention is kind of naturally drawn when we're not intervening. So we, we really do see in that kind of space, yeah, the mind the, the mind is attending to something in each moment. And then also coming from the perspective of the um, Buddhist psychology where it talks about um, you know, several factors of mind being present in every moment. Um, attention is one of those factors. Feeling is one of those factors. Um, so you know, there's just, it's, it's, it's got some basis in the Buddhist psychology as well. And, that, and my understanding of it as being um, uh, amenable to conscious control or not is more my, from my own um, practice and my own understanding. Yeah, behind you, Arthur. When you were talking about um, answering this gentleman's questions, and you used the word mindfulness, my first interpretation was that you were adding a layer of mental activity of of focusing, of awareness, that it seemed to me that mindfulness, as you used it in that 
one sentence, was the mind being aware of what it was doing. And what it was doing was choosing to look at a hand. Uh, is that how you were using mindfulness? That mindfulness was the mind being aware of what it was doing as well as the object of, or whatever the, of, of the action of the mind that was, the mind was observing. Um, mindfulness can take, um, well, let's see, I, can, I guess I would say mindfulness can feel different at different times. Um, my basic understanding of the factor of mindfulness is that it is the capacity of our mind to know what's happening while it's happening in the present moment. That it's kind of like a mirror. It simply uh, reflects what's already happening and doesn't necessarily intervene with what's happening, but it reflects what's happening. In In that happening, it may be that there is a choice to direct the attention in which case mindfulness knows that, and it, it understands that. At other times it may be um, that there's simply this settled back receiving, this more witnessing, and mindfulness knows that. But I look at, at mindfulness as actually a very simple factor of mind that recognizes what's happening while it's happening. Um, it's not always present. I mean, we're not always knowing what's happening while it's happening, uh, there's always a form of consciousness present. There's always a form, uh, you know, the mind does its stuff. You know, it, it, you know, we can drive down the freeway without, you know, while lost in thought and not be mindful at all. And yet the mind is, you know, observing. The, there's, there's, uh, there's, I won't use the word observing there. The mind is conscious. The mind is perceiving. The mind is feeling. The mind is choosing without being aware of that it's doing all of that. So the mindfulness is that it is an extra layer, but I, I think of it as a very a simple layer. You know, it, it, it's a capacity just simply to reflect what the mind is up to. Now, there's a word that the Buddha uses um, uh, around mindfulness, and he says that we should abide in mindfulness. You know, kind of abide or rest in that. Presence is another word that that might be used for mindfulness. A sense of being in the present moment, knowing what's happening in the present moment. So that was, you know, I only had a couple minutes for that, that um, it's time to stop. So thank you.